sometimes you can get caught up in um, telling them what to do in, instead of listening um, what their concerns are. And if you can't listen, it's going to be real hard to get to the root of the problem. And I think, um, you know, whether you put that in with the service mindset that we talked about earlier, but I, in order to listen, you've got to shut your mouth. Well, thanks for tuning in to the Wise Medics podcast. My name is Daryl. I'm your host today. And today with us, I've got John Sonderman. He's the Director of Technical Services at DNA Genetics. John, how are you doing today? Good. How are you doing, Daryl? Hey, I'm doing really well. Happy to have you here. Well, I'm glad to be here. Awesome. Awesome. Well, John, tell us a little bit about yourself. Well, I'm, uh, of course, the Director of DNA Genetics. Uh, we're a swine genetics company. We would uh, influence 40% of the terminal sires in the U.S. and Canada, which basically means, Daryl, that two out of five strips are bacon. <laughs> you can thank me for it. <laughs> <laughs> I, 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 not only will I thank you, my, my daughters will as well, since they are voracious bacon eaters. <laughs> We're good. Yeah, so I've been here about, uh, it's coming on 19 years pretty soon. Um, background is uh, nutrition and reproductive physiology. And uh, basically, my job is to work with our, our customers and our um, national account leaders to uh, create value for the, uh, for the producer by helping uh, them, you know, be more profitable by running the business better. And so uh, my team um, spends a lot of time on farm, just looking at production practices and, and Given recommendations um, on how they can improve. That's really cool. So a lot of a lot of boots on the ground helping the farmers and and the producers at the end of the day. Yes, yes, exactly. We uh, probably spend fifty uh, percent of our time with our customers on their farms. Awesome, awesome. Anything to help them be profitable will help you be profitable as well. And happy farmers make us all happy. Yep. <laughs> So I ask everybody these few questions here, John, but what would you say your top three achievements and what did you learn from them? Well, that's hard. You know, if I don't include my wife, you know, this will <laughs> go bad for me. Um, you know, uh, fortunate for, for me, uh, I was raised with a really good work ethic. Um, and, and that's helped me excel, you know, in school, excel in in my positions throughout my career it's given me opportunities to uh to keep improving and and to you know keep moving forward um i think you know the probably the one of the best things that's ever happened to me is when i helped somebody on their farm and and the owner literally said hey thank you for um helping us get better because you're getting better my daughter and son-in-law are going to come back home to the operation. And if we wouldn't have improved, that couldn't have happened. So, you know, that's probably, you know, the one that sticks out in my mind the most. Obviously, there's been other achievements of getting a master's, getting a PhD, um, marrying a wonderful woman. Um, but, but as far as work-related, it seems like when you help somebody, um, and it makes a difference in their life. Boy, that's that's the best you can do. I uh, 
I agree 100% with that. There's nothing better than a customer or somebody that you've helped come back to you and be happy and, and tell them they're doing these things because you were able to help them. And I think that altruistic, almost like service part is a big part of what I do, what I do. And I'm, I'm happy to hear it's the same for you as well. <laughs> yeah. You're probably uh, old enough to remember John Wooten, the UCLA basketball coach. Yeah. He's got a quote that says, um, you can never have a perfect day if you, unless you can help somebody that can never repay you. And I think, um, I think that speaks to what you just said too. Yeah. It's actually, my wife and I had a conversation. We're going on a long tangent here, but had a conversation about it last night where, um, you know, I used to live in downtown Fort Lauderdale and there's a pretty big homeless population there. They all congregate in one area and, and we once a week would make a ton of sandwiches and, and drop it off. Um, and, uh, and we started bringing water bottles and that's something that it brought me a lot of joy. I mean, we didn't spend a ton of money on it, but it was something they needed. And it, my wife needs to have these acts of service and it really makes her feel whole, I guess, spiritually. Um, and so it's something we got away from when we moved a little further south, but uh, we were talking about starting something up like that again. And that, uh, your conversation, uh, that quote from John Wooten, you know, doing something for someone and they can't pay you back just really hits like a big chord with me. So great quote. My next question for you, because I could go way off on the line here <laughs> is what would your parents say that you do? <laughs> you know, actually, um, so even, even though I did not grow up on a farm, um, both of my parents did. Okay. And so um, they have a, actually have a fairly good understanding of, of what I do. And I think they would just say that, um, that I go to, to customers' farms and, and try to help them get better. And so actually, it's kind of interesting because I thought about that where some people you're like, I have no clue what my son or <laughs> daughter does. And uh, but in this case, uh, just because of they were raised in that environment, mm -hmm. they have a better understanding. That's a that's a rare answer here on the show. <laughs> <laughs> uh, that's funny, but that's really cool, too, because, you know, it's you have that connection. Um, and I'm sure that helps. Uh, moving more into like, more like businessy questions here, John. Do you think that producing and sharing technical content is important for brand positioning? And why or why not? Yeah, I think um, I think it is important. And I think the reason why is because um, people want to know that you can bring value to their operation. And, um, you know how it is that they always say what now they're saying uh, in the new social media day, somebody's got to see a flick or something 21 times instead of the old six or seven that I learned growing up. And, and I think we see that, that, um, you can have a meeting with someone and, and talk about what you're doing and, and your program. And yet, the next time you see them six months later, you might need to remind them of, of what you're working on. And so I think branding um, is part of that. Branding yourself is, hey, we can bring value to you. Um, we've got some technical expertise. Um, 
both in processes and genetics and, and even financial, you know, um, all those things, because to really serve a customer, you've got to understand their business. And we're fortunate as a genetics company that we've, our owners also own sows commercially. And um, it's like a giant case study <laughs> that, uh, because the production guys on our teams, on our commercial side, they tell us when something's working or not working quite loudly, usually. And, uh, <laughs> and so it gives us um, a connection to what the questions or what the problems are that our genetics customers are going to have. And that, you know, so I think all that plays into branding, branding yourself as somebody that knows the business, somebody that can bring value to them and uh, somebody that, that, understands what they're going through. Right now, the times are pretty tough. And we understand that because we're going through the same thing. <laughs> we, we all are here, in the, especially in the swine business here. Um, <clears throat> pretty cool that you guys have like that feedback loop where you have a production side that is very loud critics when things go wrong, I'm sure, <laughs> and right. Um, that's a great little like thing to have as a business. Yeah, we're one of the few that um, really have that that strong of a connection uh, because we can try a new process or do a new select for a new trait um, or adjust. And we get to see those results real world mm -hmm. in the midst of all the, you know, research in a research environment is pretty clean. And, and you've got really dedicated people that that understand research and, and are there. But when you get out into the real world and, um, you know, it's not that clean <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> and, and you don't have the same level of maybe of expertise of the people and the same passion. Mm -hmm. um, so it's it, it does help us. Um, it grounds us and sometimes humbles us. <laughs> <laughs> Nothing wrong with that. Every every now and then we all have to have a taste of humble pie, as my dad would like to say. Um, and it never tastes good. <laughs> but uh, kind of moving on, in your opinion, John, what is the most important personality trait or strength that someone would need to be successful in a position like yours? Wow, Daryl, that's a that's a big mouthful there. Um, <laughs> I uh, I think there's you know I don't know if it's a single trait, but I think. Um, you have to be willing to listen. Um, I think sometimes you can get caught up in um, telling them what to do in, instead of listening um, what their concerns are. And if you can't listen, it's going to be real hard to get to the root of the problem. And I think, um, you know, whether you put that in with the service mindset that we talked about earlier, um, but in, in, in order to listen, you've got to shut your mouth. And um, I, I like a Will Rogers quote. He said, some of the best advice I gave, ever gave was when I kept my mouth shut. <laughs> and, and I think that um, we've got to go in with, with open ears and, and open eyes and observe and ask questions and listen. I love that. Um, I'm a big fan of listening as well. Obviously, I'm a sales background. And so a lot of what I do is 
ask questions and listen. And um, you made a good point, or if you're not listening, you can't get to the root of the problem. You're absolutely right. If, you, if you're listening to respond, right, you're not going to catch that little piece that says, hey, you know, I, I have a problem with this trait in my pigs. How can you help me, John? You'll miss it completely. So I, I'm super happy that you, you brought that up. Long range high five from me. So, <laughs> um, what's one lesson that your job has taught you, John, that you think everybody should learn at some point in their life? Um, you know, probably the one that sticks out the most is you don't know what you don't know. And, um, and what I mean is that, uh, Sometimes we get into thinking that, you know, we've, we've seen everything and, and we've our education experience or, or just, the, you know, the, the knowledge that we've gained throughout our careers. Um, and that can hurt you when you don't listen and you've seen something new. And so I think it's, it's always to say, hey, I don't know everything. I'm still learning. Um, because uh, biology is a is a very very humbling teacher, and um, <laughs> because it's not like a machine that's punching out widgets, um, you're dealing with a with a really an ecosystem and a biological model that can uh, not act the way the textbook says it's supposed to, <laughs> and then you've got to um, listen and observe and figure out uh, okay what's going on here and. and why don't I recognize, why doesn't it fit, you know, what I've seen in the past? So, I, uh, I love that phrase, you don't know what you don't know. I say that all the time. Uh, I don't know where I picked it up, honestly, but it, it stuck with me. And I like how you kind of tied it back to, you know, listening. Because that's, that's the root of everything, right? <laughs> yes. So kind of moving on, because I'll, I'll get stuck on that for forever, because I know me. Um, but I, I like asking this question because I have a very specific time where I get my best work done. When in the day do you get your best work done, John? You know, the morning. Um, and I like to sit um, when I can. I like to start out just uh, reading some uh, some devotionals and some um about uh, looking for uh, good in the day, looking for good in people, and uh, trying to, um, for lack of a better term, trying to recognize your, your blessings and then trying to build other people up. And so I think if, if I start out with a little bit of quiet time like that um, and just say, hey, you know, God help me today because um, I know I'm going to need it. <laughs> and, uh, and then then nobody's yet calling me usually <laughs> or emailing me. So I get a chance to, to catch up with any communications that have come in overnight, over the weekend, whatever it is. And then it allows me to kind of plan my day out. Um, and, and you know how it is when it's, when it's a fire hose blowing at you, it's, it's a lot easier to drink out of a garden hose. <laughs> yeah, so uh, I, uh, I just kind of like that to get myself set for the day, ready to go, kind of figure out what needs to happen today. What's, what's high important and urgent and 
what what can be pushed off down the road. So morning is is abs- my best. I you know I don't I can't I don't understand the people that say oh I get my best done at you know ten o'clock at night. <laughs> I'm, I'm done by then. I I too am a morning person. I can do night if I need to, but I, I think that's just out of necessity and. But it does kill me by like 11, 11 o'clock. I'm like dead. And then I know I'm going to be dead the next day. Like it's, it's bad, but I'm kind of the same as you. I, I like uh, getting started early. I do a little reading. I go to the gym or do a quick walk. And it, like you, I love what you said about from a fire hose down to the garden hose. Because for me, I'm not from ag. I haven't been in ag in my entire life. Um, and I think... <laughs> Mark from uh, Agrimesh said this and I stole it, but it's like drinking from a fire hose every day for me. Um, yeah. So anyway, if I can bring that down to a garden hose, I'm a happy man. <laughs> <laughs> um, this is kind of a fun question too. What other occupation or job would you like to try? Uh, oh, I, I don't even, I know what I'd like to, well, I, I play a little bit with, um, raising cattle on the side. So I've got some, some cow calf pairs and, and, uh, and, you know, I always joke that I'd love to be in the same position, but be dealing with the cattle side of it. Um, just because I grew up, they said, they, my mom tells me that she still wonders if the first word I didn't say was cow. <laughs> uh, I had a fashion, fascination with cows, put my way through school, um, milking cows and, uh, just to have a, a love for, for, for the cow and the grazing and the re- upcycling and recycling they do by turning grass into a high quality protein. And, um, so if, if I could do anything, I'd probably do the same thing, a technical service role in some port. Or, or in some way or another on the cow side. So that's interesting. Is is there, because uh, that's, that's an interesting, like it's the same thing, but it's like a different segment. Is there a reason you ended up in swine versus cattle having this love with them to begin with? Or? <laughs> yeah, you know, it's, uh, as you know, we plan life and then life happens. <laughs> and uh, then we adjust our plans and it just, um, Spent a lot of time, um, obviously, doing research for my master's and PhD on the cattle side, um, both dairy and beef. And then uh, an opportunity to work for a feed company um, out of my PhD. And um, because of my reproductive physiology um, training, they found out that I was really, really good, not just at cattle, but at pigs and, and also and there was a time in the industry when when there was a lot of consolidation and pig farms were getting bigger. Mm-hmm. And so my reproductive physiology background lended me to to being very, very good on farms. Um, you know, the sow farms and the, the developers where they develop the gilts that are going to become sows. And it's it just slowly morphed that way. And I've done some different, um, had some different roles where I've, worked with more species or, or worked a little bit more with sales, with ingredient, with ingredients and programs and that. But um, the opportunity came up to come back and really be involved uh, on the production side, but also on the genetic side, on the 
pig side. Um, I had a pretty um, good experience working with hog producers, um, both on nutrition and doing walkthroughs. And it, it just seemed like the right fit at the right time. And um, so I ended up, uh, I always tell young kids, I said, so here's what I started out as and look at me now, I'm working with pigs. So keep your, op- your mind open and your options open as you get opportunities. That's a cool story. Um, but awesome that you took advantage of the opportunity when you saw it. Smart guy, Mr. John. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So next question and be careful because you'll probably add to my collection. But what are three books that you'd recommend to the audience and why? You know, um, this was hard, quite honestly. I, I listen to a lot of audiobooks and I do a lot of uh, reading. Um, but there's a book called The Silent Alarm. Um, it's by, ah, I'm going to forget the guy's name now. Um, but really, it's about uh, a professional. And he gets out of bed and he's racing to work. And uh, st- comes to a train crossing mm-hmm. and sees the train coming one way and then not paying attention, punches it, and the train's coming the other way. Whew. And he goes to the hospital pretty severely injured and talks about um, that experience and, and the fact that, um, you know, he really couldn't do anything, couldn't work. And it just happened that he had a, a nurse that was a very caring and, and giving person and kind of helped him sort through what's your priorities in life and uh, how you're spending your time and are you spending it wisely. And uh, have you chased the, the career so hard that you've lost your, you know, your, your family as far as the ability to interact with your wife and your kids and enjoy those times? Because as you know, once they're gone, they're gone. And um, it was just really, really um, interesting. And it came at a time in my life and um, that work ethic I mentioned before sometimes gets in the way of life. <laughs> um, <Guilty>. Both, <laughs> both in, in, in my job and at home, working around the, the cattle and, and the, you know, the, that. And so I can, I can work, 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 work. And, um, it came at a time that re- that made me realize I had young kids that, that um, there was a better way than what I was going down the road of. And, um, and I still have to fight that balance um, because if you're driven to succeed and to compete, um, which I am a little bit, uh, my family would tell you, um, then, then you want to do the best in everything. And um, that book really, really, brought me maybe back to earth a little bit. Um, the other one that I've um, probably been, um, and they've written a number of books, but there's a group that are called a dynamic Catholic, Matthew Kelly. I don't know if you've heard of him, but anyway, he's, he's got a, 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 a guy on staff. His name's Dr. Alan Hunt. And he was a mega pastor for a huge church at one time and, and converted to Catholicism. And, uh, He's just, he's lived in life. He's lived in the muck of, of um, not just being Catholic, but just being a Christian and, and trying mm-hmm. to do the right thing. And I just find that his, uh, his comments about life and his comments about uh, his failures um, and 
to, to listen to to learn from your failures and uh and you know not just keep plowing forward i think um i think in society today too many of us have uh for lack of a better term become our own god mm -hmm. that what we believe is right and what everybody else believes is wrong and um and i think it's a good reminder that um that's not really um how it is because there are things that are still wrong that a lot of people say, oh, no, it's right. But, you know, the Holocaust was wrong. Um, you can't get out of that, you know. Um, war is, is not necessarily right, but, but we can sure justify it when we want to achieve our, our political goals or ambitions. And so I think um, those two books really are the one book and then the other author really stand out as somebody, people that, have made me um, reminded me that that I'm I don't know what I don't know, <laughs> <laughs> and we're back to it, that. The, those books sound interesting. Um, the Silent Alarm by John G. Blumberg. Does that sound about right? Yes, bingo. Yes, and I had a friend uh, was going through some struggles years ago, and he said you should read this. And and uh, I'll be honest, you'll cry. You'll cry. Um, and then, and it won't just be a, I mean, it, it, cause it really speaks to your heart about quite, a, you know, where you failed mm -hmm. and, uh, what you need to change. And as you know, change isn't always easy. No, or, or painless for that fact. <laughs> That's right. Uh, yeah. I mean, just even reading the small blurb here, uh, and using the power of multiple monitors, um, you know, I know that it'll make me tear up, if not full out ugly cry, as my daughter would say. Um, you know, my dad was, uh, he was a physician, pretty well-known physician in Orlando. Um, and he had a devastating heart attack, survived, came back. <clears throat> the night he came back, he had a stroke. And I can still remember his surprised trying to talk sounds when they pulled him into the ambulance in the morning. And he had to relearn everything. Obviously, no longer practiced, but I can already tell based on what you said and what the little blurb here is, I'll be living a little bit through what my dad went through. And uh, that uh, I'm going to order it because I think it's going to be a good, good read for me either, either way. But uh, thank you so much for sharing those. So two more questions for you, John. The first one is, what is the best compliment that you have ever received? You know, um, one that just still sticks with me to this day that um, my wife and I were young and we had finished college and uh, was out after my master's working uh, in the extension service as an extension agent in Nebraska and got to meet, you know, some really neat people. And uh, there was a couple that had... Um, son that was probably maybe a sophomore or junior in high school nice young man but he was he was kind of a he came as a surprise <laughs> all his siblings were moved out of the house um i think the closest one was 10 or 12 years older than him and um we started he liked hunting and fishing and i did too and so we would go hunting and fishing together and we just talk and uh all of a sudden his parents uh came up to me one time and said what are you doing 
And I said, what do you mean? He said, our son went from C's and D's to A's and B's. And he said, we're racking our brain trying to figure out what's going on. And the only thing we can figure out is he started spending a lot of time with you. And I, they said, so what are you saying? And they said, actually, we really don't care. Just keep doing it. <laughs> and I think that that really imprinted on me that people are watching us. Uh, they're listening to us. And you don't know when you're mentoring someone. And you don't know when they're listening to you. And um, here was a kid that, that smart enough kid, he just didn't apply himself. And I just said, what do you want to do in life? And he told me, and I just said, hey, you know, it's a lot easier when you have good grades to do what you want. Um, and I said, that's the reason why you try to get good grades. And I said, I'm not saying you have to be an A student. And, uh, but I said, you need to do well enough that people know that, that you're a hard worker and you'll, you'll do the job and, and they feel comfortable with that. And I said, it doesn't really matter if you want to be an electrician or a welder or, or whether you want to go on to be a doctor or something. I said, you're still going to need that, 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 you know, you got to have that, that tool to get in the door. And once you get in the door, you get a chance to prove yourself. And, um, so that was, um, to this day, I still remember, um, that and, and think about, you know, mentoring young people and, and, not only why is it important, but how much it is good for me mm -hmm. as a person. I, uh, that's powerful. Uh, you made one statement. Um, you never know when someone's listening or if you're mentoring at that moment, right? Um, that, that really touches me because um, I can think of a few people who may or may not have done that for me. I'm sure you can too, but you're certainly listening to what they were saying and they may have just, it might've just been off the cuff for them, but like it stuck with you. Um, so thanks for sharing that. And I'm sure I'm going to share a little bit of that with my daughter right now, who's applying to colleges <laughs> is going, going through it. So, <clears throat> so a very stressful time for her, but uh, she'll be good. Um, but kind of wrapping up here, John, where can everybody find you online? Yeah, so we're at uh, uh, DNA Swine Genetics. Um, if you Google that online, you'll find us. Uh, make sure you put the swine genetics in because DNA Genetics is a marijuana producer in the Netherlands. <laughs> and uh, so, um, so we uh, make sure you put in DNA Swine Genetics and you can uh, see more about um, our company and, and my team that um, I work with. and. And I think, you know, I guess you asked what appealed to me about where I'm at. And um, they're still privately held. Um, and there's always, as you know, advantages to privately held and corporate held. There always is. But um, they always stress that um, do the best you can, um, do the right thing, and treat others as, as you want to be treated. And they actually, I will say that, you know, I've been here 19 years. Um, some of the people, some companies or have taglines that sound real good, but then you deal with them and they don't live by them at all. Mm -hmm. I really believe that in our culture of this company that we do try to follow that, those three axioms. And if you do those things, um, 
yeah, you're still going to make mistakes and you're still going to have people maybe that aren't happy with how things turned out. But you can't say that you didn't try to do the right thing. I don't think you can. <laughs> and, uh, it, you know, uh, it, proof in the pudding, you've been there for 19 years, so you must like it. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's good family. That's awesome. I'm happy that you've got that. And, and again, John, thank you so much for coming on the podcast. All right. Thanks, Daryl. No problem. You have a great one, John. I'm sure people can find you on LinkedIn as well, yeah? Yes, yep, I'm on LinkedIn too, so. Find John there. <laughs> and All everyone. Right. Thanks for listening to the Wise and Edix podcast. We're signing off. Looking to elevate your brand and captivate audiences through the power of podcasting? Look no further. Introducing the custom podcast brought to you by Wise and Edix, where we take care of the behind the scenes so that you can focus on what truly matters. Podcasting has become an invaluable tool for brand awareness, but let's face it, putting it into practice can be a daunting task. It's incredibly time consuming and requires technical know-how, but don't worry, we've got you covered. With our experienced team at The Help, we'll handle the operational aspects so you can channel your energy into what your company does best. Are you ready to unleash the podcasting potential of your company? Schedule a call with one of our specialists today at the link in the bottom of this episode. You'll also receive a free podcast strategy consult tailored to the unique needs and goals of your business.